You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner. I am Keanu Calcorn, as always, and we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, someone who I'm actually just meeting for the first time. Uh, this is Lucas Agen from the LAN Parties podcast based in Las Vegas. Uh, Lucas, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. No worries, and thank you very much for reaching out, because you have been... Uh, kind of in the podcasting game yourself a fair while, haven't you? I have. You know, LAN parties uh, started in January, but before that I had been a part of a few other podcasts of the year. So something I'm used to and something I love doing. That's fantastic. And so for our kind of generally Irish-based listeners who may not have checked out your podcast, kind of how did you get it started and what's the hook? Yeah, so uh, Land Parties is a video game and esports podcast, and we try and talk to guests who are involved either on the content creation side or the actual making of games. So we've had some voice actors on as well. Uh, So that's kind of our hook to kind of get into their stories. And we started because I'd actually pitched this idea to my boss. I work for the Las Vegas Review Journal, which is a news, news organization out here. And I didn't hear anything back for a couple months. And then one day my boss came by, introduced me to my co-host Ryan and said, I think you guys would do well together. And why don't you get started on that podcast? And we were off and running after that. That's mad. But like, isn't that just the funniest thing? Like you meet, like, certainly we wouldn't have met without the kind of podcasting sphere being a thing. So I'd say it's a great way to meet new people for you, right? Oh, definitely. It's a great way to get to know people. And I just I just love meeting all these people that, like you said, never would have met before. And just to hear their stories, it's it's fascinating and a lot of fun. Excellent. And I've got to say, the kind of gamer in me has to ask, you said you had voice actors on the show. Who have you kind of chatted to so far? So our biggest name is uh, Nolan North. We had on a couple weeks ago. And uh, just in case, if anyone's not familiar, he was the voice of Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series, among others. Yeah, it's, I imagine it's hard to become known as a voice actor since there's no face, but certainly Nolan North is one of the big ones, right? He is, yeah. He's, <laughs> he always jokes that he's been in a, a ton of video games that he tried to take over video games that he'll joke around with. <laughs> but yeah, no, super nice guy, super, uh, very genuine and down to earth. So it was, it was a lot of fun to talk to him. That's brilliant. And I must say, like, because I've never, like, kind of had a celebrity, like, on the par of Nolan North, no disrespect to my previous guests, but, like, the odd time I've met someone, like, from Star Trek or something like that at a convention, I have that immediate, like, <gasps> don't say the wrong thingness to it. Is that, was that your experience having him on, like? It was. I had to prepare myself for about, like, half an hour just to, to stop myself from, from nerding out on him. He was, <laughs> I did a little bit. I couldn't stop it completely, but I definitely, I, it, I had to prepare a bunch of questions so I didn't lock up. I was, 
I was ready to try and combat just just fanboying out too much. <laughs> All right. Well, just for anyone who might be listening to this for the first time, the reason the Game Corner got started was essentially as a way of checking in with people during the lockdown in Dublin and kind of find out what board games and video games they've been playing. We have been grateful enough to actually receive a lot of American interest in the past few weeks, including yourself, Lucas. So how has, kind of, big question, how has the lockdown been for you so far? Has it affected you at all, or has it just kind of breezed by you? You know, all things considered, I've been doing pretty well. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be able to work from home. So my hours haven't changed, just the location. Um, I will say it's been a, it, it's been a little weird just because uh, being working for a news organization, I'm used to a lot of that person-to-person interaction so to have to do a lot of that over emails or online has been different (laughs) to say the least but you know I've been keeping healthy just keeping my time outside to a minimum to basically go grocery shopping and whatnot Uh, so all things considered it's been pretty well I've been lucky enough to stay in contact with friends and family and and they're all doing pretty well so been been pretty good That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that now because uh, certainly so far we've been grateful enough to have someone on from California and someone on from New Jersey and like the experiences they've told us have been totally polarizing, you know, so I'm glad that like some semblance of normality has kind of been maintained for you at least, even if it's more online, so to speak. Yeah, and you know, that has played a big part in being able to handle this well. You know, I've been working from home for a little while though. I think since March, I want to say, is when they started having me work from home. I swear the days kind of string together for me. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you know, I've kind of gone into that groove. I have set up my office in a different room than my bedroom to kind of get into work mode, so to speak. So it's it's been kind of those small adjustments and just kind of getting used to the new daily routines. Excellent. Well, then, uh, I suppose with that long introduction, and thank you very much for indulging me, let's move <laughs> on to the games. So what kind of games have you been playing to kind of keep yourself occupied throughout this whole strange season? You know, I'll tell you what, the game that I I tried for the very first time was I started playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, online over, uh, basically over Discord. Mm. And that's been a heck of an experience. It's, uh, like I said, it's a game that I was always interested in trying, but never had that right group to really kind of delve into it. Mm. And because so many of us have so much more time (laughs) Uh, it it seemed like the perfect time to give it a try and I must say the group I'm with has been amazing I ask a ton of questions so bless their hearts they have to deal with me asking (laughs) a lot because I'm a total newbie to it but it it's fascinating and it's a fantastic way to stay connected well that's what I was going to ask because so far uh, in our previous episodes we've had Ray Carney who was like one of those like top tier Dungeons and Dragons player who was like managing four different campaigns. We've had Maevon who was just in it for creating her world. And then we had an opera singer on who was just in it to be a dwarf smashing rats and stuff. So <laughs> kind of what's been your Dungeons and Dragons experience? Are you kind of coordinating things or are you following the group? What's been your experience so far? 
So just following the group and, you know, initially I was actually a little nervous because I didn't know everybody in the group and pretty much everybody else had played before. So I was a little nervous that I'd be slowing the group down too much, but I must say it's been a lot of fun. I'm learning a ton. Hopefully I'm starting to get things down just a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed the crafting of my character kind of backstories and all that kind of stuff. Like I had a lot of fun coming up with backstories and, uh, being able to kind of express yourself in a way that, that you don't get to on a normal basis. And well, then that's a good segue right there. What kind of character did you end up crafting for yourself? Uh, so I'm a half orc and uh, <laughs> I consulted with a friend of mine and he kind of helped me arrive at that and kind of helped me arrive at, at what class to do and what, what weapons and everything. So I came in with a character that was kind of tailor-made to be easier for me to kind of slip into and, and get going with this first campaign. Hmm. Yeah, because I suppose you don't want to, because I've known people who've been like, you know, things that can summon owls and like all these complicated things. Like, so I suppose you wouldn't want to kind of reinvent the wheel on your first go around. Like, yeah, he's, um, basically my character plays just like I do in most video games, which isn't exactly smart, but it's attack first and then ask questions after. <laughs> well, that kind of lends itself to being an orc, doesn't it? It does. It really does. So I feel like it's a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I must say, I've only ever played uh, D&D twice. The, my experience of the orcs is that I played in a small group of three with two players and one kind of dungeon master. And I was like a half-elf kind of druid. So essentially, I was the D&D equivalent of like a huckster used car salesman, like really smarmy <laughs> type. And I was paired with a half-orc woman. So we ended up being this weird, like, kind of midnight run double act where, like, I could, like, talk our way into things and I had to stop her from punching people. So have you kind of found your place in your group yet as your character? I have. Uh, so the... I guess I was really lucky because my girlfriend uh, came into the group with me. So she's been kind of <laughs> helping ease my nerves and whatnot. <laughs> and so we kind of play off each other a little bit. Uh, she's much more, her character is much more reserved and thinks things through. So it's a little bit of a good, good uh, mix there. I'm the muscle, I guess, for lack of a better word. And she gets to stop me from doing too much stupid stuff. Which I mean, you got to let your character kind of take you where you go. Like, you know, and if you're an orc, you got to go with your impulses. Like, Exactly. I mean, sometimes you just have that urge to want to attack somebody and hey, you just got to do it sometimes. Sometimes they deserve it. <laughs> I really hope that clip isn't taken out of context 10 years yeah. from now. <laughs> Moving swiftly along, uh, you mentioned that you've started introducing your girlfriend to video games off the air. Has that been because of the lockdown or was it kind of for another reason? You know, it's partly because of the lockdown. Um, she had gamed uh, when she was younger, but um, our experiences were just different growing up. So I was very much a console gamer, and there were a lot of games that I love and adore that she hadn't tried. Mm -hmm. So we had talked about trying to do that, and with the lockdown, it kind of pre presented that opportunity to where we could actually start and dive into that and actually had the time to really sit down and enjoy the games and talk about them. And 
I, I swear she's a trooper because the first game I've started her with is The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, that is sort of the deep end of the gaming sphere, isn't it? It is. And in hindsight, you know, thinking with the lockdown, maybe I should have went with a, a light, more lighthearted game. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, the reason I wanted to bring this up is uh, my fiance, I also recently got her into gaming via Nintendo Switch. But I started with like Luigi's Mansion. Like Last of Us is quite heavy by comparison. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I kept telling her about The Last of Us, and that is one of my favorite games of all time. And, you know, I always tell people that was the first game that really hit me that video games could tell a story that was every bit as thrilling and emotional as any movie or any book that I had read. And so <laughs> she was curious because I had talked up this game for so long. And with the sequel, you know, at the time when we started it, it was about to come out. So I was like, this is the perfect time. And <laughs> for better or worse, I was like, let's do it. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's an emotional roller coaster. That's yeah, for sure. well then, tell you what, let's back up a bit. Because on this show, we do have some younger listeners who may, or who may not have played it. So in a nutshell, what kind of is the premise of the first Last of Us game? Yeah, so the world has kind of gone to heck because of a zombie outbreak, uh, an infection of sorts, mm -hmm. and your main character has to, the short of it is your main character has to transport a young girl to uh, meet a certain group, and that's all I'll say because there's a lot of twists and turns in there. <laughs> okay, so... Like, it's a zombie survival game, but not in the traditional, like, I say, Resident Evil, that kind of thing. It's a very story-driven kind of complex narrative. It is, yeah. It's a very grounded game, and it's, uh, it certainly tells an emotional story. So it, it, it's, it is very story-focused. Mm. And why? Because certainly it's a big emotional commitment what has drawn you to not only come back to playing it but to introducing it to someone else you know i think because of the pacing that you really get to know these characters and you really start to form a connection they're very um they're very human characters which i realize is kind of strange to say but you know how some stories the the main characters seem almost superhuman in, in a sense and these characters are definitely not and there's dangers and there's there's relationships formed and there's trouble and so you kind of latch on to them and I just I don't know this story just hit me hard the first time I played it it mm. stuck with me um, it's a game that when I talk to new gamers or non-gamers that is always one of the first games I bring up and to revisit it, uh, I was kind of curious to see how the story held up. You know, I had mm. just played it the the first playthrough, and I hadn't kind of come back really since. So I was kind of curious to see how it, it held up on a second playthrough. Uh, I, I apologize, by the way. If, I'm not sure if you can hear my uh, baby daughter shouting in the next room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you can hear it, I'm leaving it in, and I don't apologize for it. So... Uh, <laughs> You bring up a good point about the kind of investment in the characters, but surely with the announcement of The Last of Us 2, and it is out now in the world, it must be a little bittersweet because you want to see them again. But if you're seeing them again, it's nothing nice is going to happen to them, you know? 
You're right. <laughs> You're exactly right. You know, I was actually torn on The Last of Us 2. For the longest time, I didn't want to see a sequel. Mm. Um, it, there are those, some of those stories where you just kind of want them to leave their story as it happened. Yeah. And for the longest time, I was there. I, that's what I thought. And I didn't want to see them touch these characters. You know, sequels tend to... Uh, unfairly or not, I have this image that sequels tend to ruin the legacy of whatever you love most. <laughs> yeah, well, funnily enough, on our main Nerd to Know Media podcast, uh, our kind of team captain, Dara, somehow pivots every single conversation into Star Wars. And <laughs> one of the things that we've kind of argued about quite a lot is that people complain that like the sequels kind of ruin Luke Skywalker or whatever's happy ending. I won't go into it too much here. But there's part of my brain that goes, well, the story has to continue, so conflict has to happen. So kind of what do you expect, you know? Right, yeah. So I, I, I will say uh, I'll stay out of the Star Wars argument there. Please, thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I did kind of get to that point where I accepted this game is getting made, whether you wanted to or mm. not. So I just kind of tried to pivot toward being excited to spend more time with those characters i just tried to view it as a positive and it was unexpected and you know what maybe they'll do a great job and if they do that's that's fantastic and uh so i tried to pivot to be more positive on the sequel and i think i arrived there where i was super super pumped for the sequel by the time it got released mm. yeah and like because this is something i suppose the elephant in the room talking about the last of us is that it's come out during like a literal pandemic. I hope it doesn't get us demonetized or whatever. But um, like a few episodes ago, we had an animator named Keith Burnon who said that he loves playing zombie apocalyptic games now because it's incredibly relaxing because it makes real life seem nicer by comparison. Make of that <laughs> what you will. But my question is, uh, do you find it disconcerting to play a game like the last of us in the times we're living in now i do and it's because of the type of game that it is you know if it if the last of us were something like a left for dead i'm sure i'd be relaxed because left for dead is just all action all the time and zombies are just kind of the enemy yeah. but since the last of us tried to take such a, a grounded realistic approach to it it is a little disconcerting because you start to think oh, hey, we don't have to imagine how the world re would react to a pandemic. We're seeing that. <laughs> so it's it's a little weird, and I can't play for super long stretches of time. I have to have my counter-programming in there. I have to have other games that I turn to to kind of lighten the mood for sure. Yeah. And, like, that is a valid point as well, because, like, gaming is such a big spectrum. Like, some games you play to relax, some games you game to play for, like, the emotional reasons with The Last of Us. But overall, like, what, apart from these two examples, what kind of games have you found yourself drawn to? The sort of lighter ones or the heavier ones? Like, So mostly lighter ones. Um, I am a huge Pokemon fan. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> some of my earliest gaming memories is playing Pokemon on the Game Boy Color. <laughs> so in my personal gaming history, that's, that was the first gaming franchise that I just got obsessed with. And so... 
um, for nostalgia's sake, I've turned back to Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu to kind of get my old school yellow version fix. Mm. <laughs> and I do find that super relaxing and it's just as fun as I remember it. Mm. Well, that's just it. Like, um, certainly on our channel, we also have Straight Edda Kanto, who is an exclusively Pokemon news podcast. And like, she's been waiting ages and ages and ages for them to do a sort of Pikachu Let's Go version of Pokemon Gold. What games mm -hmm. kind of Pokemon-wise did you grow up with? Yeah, so Pokemon Silver was like my peak. That was right. <laughs> that was like the height of it. And just to give you an idea, not only did I play the games, I was watching the anime, I was seeing the movies, I was collecting the cards. Like I was <laughs> their dream customer, let's just put it that way. <laughs> but Pokemon Gold and Silver was probably my peak so that would be an awesome remake to see them do yeah they did do a sort of remake on the ds but certainly it would be nice with all the kind of features of the switch to really kind of go back to it again you know it would yeah you know and the, the switch being as popular as it is would be fun to kind of reintroduce those games to an entire generation of gamers that have not touched those older versions mm. Exactly. And like, uh, I would be in the exact same boat as you because I was like seven, eight, maybe when Pokemon came out. So I was all on it. I had and still have most of the cards. I got all the teddies. I played gold and silver and then kind of left it behind and came back to it when the switch came out. So yeah, I think there is, I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's the only Pokemon game where you could you get a phone and you can ring up trainers that you've kind of faced off against before and see how they're doing and get an upgrade because like that's such a nice feature and like daytime to nighttime gold was like really ahead of its time gold and silver i should say like it was you know and it's funny because people will make fun of the pokemon series a little bit for making really slow changes across mm. the games but if you think back, you're right, Gold and Silver were really forward-thinking, and there were a lot of features there that, that really were ahead of their time. Pokemon doesn't get enough credit sometimes. I know some features, they move at a very, very snail's pace there. Mm. But in a lot of areas, they really do, do find ways to innovate and, and sneak some new features in. Yeah, exactly. And like going back to the Gold and Silver, like... It was a complete shock when I played it as a kid that you got to a certain point in the game and suddenly you were effectively playing red and blue again. Like you got twice the amount of game for no extra price or like has a, if they released it now, that will be locked behind DLC or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It would, which by the way, don't get any ideas, Nintendo. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yes, I know. I've heard. I've had a few people reach out to me complaining that, like, I think Sword and Shield, you can only like trade or battle people if you're on that Nintendo Switch network, which kind of defeats the purpose of Pokemon. You know. <laughs> you're right, but you know, thinking back to that, you did get a lot of hours of gameplay on that, mm. and. It's a bigger deal when you're a kid, right? When you don't get to buy a, a ton of games or uh, you have to kind of pick and choose what games you get. And so any game that like doubles what you get to do is amazing. And it is like a miracle. <laughs> you're right. I would have been the exact same. Like it was just like, you know, you got a game at your birthday, you got a game at Christmas and maybe some unspecified special occasion in between. And you just had to make do. 
for the rest of the year. So if you got a game that was only like two hours long, you were just kind of stuck unless you literally traded your cartridge with someone else in school, you know? Exactly. And or worse yet, you try and convince yourself that a bad game is good just because you're stuck with it and you're trying to, to tell yourself that you're enjoying it. <laughs> Don't say that now. I my two go-to games on the PC were Rogue Squadron, which is good, and the Phantom Menace game, which is probably bad, but I milked it for all that it was worth. <laughs> like so, you know, that you're right, that relationship is skewed. Maybe if I had like the Steam range that I have now, it would have been different, but nostalgically, that's kind of glued to my brain, you know? Yeah, there are those games that, that I'd never want to revisit because I'm pretty sure they're actually bad, but I have fond <laughs> memories of them. So I'm like, I'm just going to leave them as memories and <laughs> we'll keep the good thoughts in my head. <laughs> You're right, actually. I'm a big Doctor Who fan and one of the Doctor Who's, Peter Capaldi, like they asked him, oh, do you ever go back and watch those Doctor Who's from when you were a kid and he goes no my memory's correct the episodes are wrong or something like that do you know what I mean because he he prefers to have it just the way it is with better special effects in his imagination and I think there is kind of a place for that you know it just to be in the time it was in like Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's funny because that's always the danger of all these remakes and remasters, right? I know it's cool to see a lot of these classic games come back, but a lot of those games are classic because of the time period they were released in or because of the circumstances they were released in. And sometimes what made them special back then makes them just another game today, so you kind of lose some of that luster. So you're right. Sometimes it's good to just kind of leave games where they are remember them fondly and and be able to take those positive memories with you excellent well on that very sentimental i must say we are nearly out of time so lucas is there anything you want to say or plug on the air before we wrap well i would probably be yelled at if i didn't plug land parties (laughs) (laughs) uh if you guys are gamers uh we'd be honored if you gave us a listen Uh, we we try and ask some interesting questions uh you can find us on twitter at land parties pod or myself at lucas agan and that's probably the easiest way Mm. lovely and just to kind of clarify that can they find the land parties on spotify or where's the best place to look you up yeah, so we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those good stuff. Excellent. Okay, well, Lucas, thank you so much for appearing on the show. I hope you had fun. I had a blast. Thank you again. This was such a, such a blast to be on it. Excellent. And I think we'll definitely have to do a little bit more cross-collaborating uh, in the future because you're great fun to chat to. You got it. I'm all for that. Excellent. Well, then we will call that time on this episode of The Game Corner. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'll be back this Friday with a new guest, some new games, and a good time as always. Thank you so much. I've been Kieran Calcorn. This has been Lucas Agen from Land Parties Podcast. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 